You are Locked On Hawks, your daily Atlanta Hawks podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello, friends. Welcome to episode 1073 of the Locked On Hawks podcast. I am your host, Brad Rowland, coming to you on a Tuesday afternoon. And thank you, as always, for joining us on the podcast today. Um, at the top, I will apologize for the lack of audio quality. I am still traveling. I'll be returning home in the next day or two. So hopefully the next time I do a podcast will be a better audio quality than it is today. But thank you for your forgiveness and patience on that front. I want to plug also that uh, earlier this week on Monday, I dropped an episode with Zach Hood of Peachtree Hoops talking about Kevin Herter and DeLon Wright. Last week, we discussed Capella and Okongwu, as well as an emergency podcast after Capella inked a two-year extension with the Hawks. So plenty of content on your feeds. I'll still be coming to you two or three times per week until the training camp uh, sort of convenes in three weeks, by the way, from today when camp actually opens and less than that for media day. So uh, plenty to get to and we'll be sort of inching into the season and then we'll uh, wrap things up and then go full steam ahead with five shows per week when the season actually arrives. Today's podcast, though, will be joined. I'll be joined by Aaron Freeman of Locked On Falcons and sort of a crossover event, uh, probably just about once per year. I venture away from basketball a little bit, and usually with Aaron to talk about the Falcons uh, in a crossover because obviously we share this podcast network, and you should be listening to shows all over the network between the Falcons and the Braves. If you're a fan of other teams, we have all of those as well on the Lockdown Podcast Network, as well as Lockdown NBA, Lockdown NFL, NBA Draft, NFL Draft, all those kind of podcasts. You can find them all on the same network with Locked On Podcast Network. But Aaron's awesome covering the Falcons. I am a self-proclaimed Falcons fan. I don't really cover them, so it's more of a pure fan experience than it is with other teams that I cover closely. But Aaron does a great job. I'm a listener to that podcast. People should be checking out his work as well. And we'll talk about a little bit of NBA stuff as well at the top of the podcast when Aaron joins me, but mostly some Falcon stuff as well. Before we get to Aaron, though, there is some Hawks news and notes that I want to touch on at the top of the show today. Uh, first thing, Kevin Pelton of ESPN, a former guest of this podcast, by the way, does a great job over at the Worldwide Leader. Um, he gave the Hawks an A grade for the offseason. And now I think Hawks fans agree with that. I know I do. But most, te- most people that I've seen have been not like underwhelmed by the Hawks offseason, but more like not like effusive in their praise. The Hawks didn't do like a massive roster overhaul. And usually the teams that did their you know, sort of sweeping changes get all of the attention. So I was pleasantly surprised to see Kevin Pelton give them an A grade, mostly just because they plugged their holes as well as bringing back John Collins. They are better on paper now than they were a year ago. And they also nailed the draft, um, which doesn't necessarily make a uh, huge impact on this particular season that's coming up. But I loved both picks with Jalen Johnson and Shrew Cooper. As I've talked about a lot on this podcast, and there's plenty of podcast content in which I'm discussing those guys that's been up the last month or two. But uh, that's not a small thing for me, too. So the offseason, I think, was uh, pretty much, uh, you, you never want to say perfect, but it was certainly excellent, in my view, for the Hawks. And uh, Pelton seems to agree with that. Um, last thing before we bring in Aaron, uh, our friends at BetOnline.ag, a sponsor of this podcast, released their um, playoff odds for each and every team earlier. I think it was a couple of days ago at this point in time. And the betting, basically you can bet on whether a team makes the playoffs. And the Hawks are listed with minus 550 odds on the yes to make the playoffs. 
If you're not a huge gambler, I will explain this a little bit more for uh, that clarity. But basically, you would have to pay um, five and a half times what you were actually wanting to win in order to bet on the Hawks to make the playoffs. Um, in more simple terms, the implied odds of that is about the Hawks making the playoffs about 84.6% of the time. That's a pretty high number, of course. I think that sort of stands to reason because everyone expects Hawks to make the playoffs this year. They are a huge favorite to do so. In the betting market, I don't think I've seen or probably will see anyone pick them to miss the playoffs this year. And by the way, making the playoffs is still making the top eight. The play-in is in this weird zone for the NBA, which is not really a regular season game or a playoff game. So the top eight Post-play-in is still what it requires to make the playoffs in the eyes of the NBA. And obviously, I think they are very likely to do that. Injuries can happen. Things can happen. You know, weird stuff can take place where they are not like 100% locked to make the playoffs. But I think this is a pretty good number. It might even be a little bit low, honestly. I think the Hawks probably are closer up to 90%, something like that, to make the postseason. And that factors in injuries, of course. Because you know, if you lose Trey Young for a few months, things can go off the rails in a hurry. But... Still, I think it's pretty appropriate, and that sort of sets the stage worth, again, an implied odds of about 85% to make the playoffs this year for the Hawks, and you can argue amongst yourselves about that one, of course, to see if that's too high, too low, or just right. Okay, before we bring in Aaron for some NBA talk as well as some Falcons deep dives, a word from our sponsors on the podcast today, and the first of which is Sweatblock. There are a few things in life that just are not any fun to talk about, and one of them is excessive sweating. It's not fun for anyone to sweat through their shirt for no reason. I'm sure we've all dealt with this at some point in time, and while there are definitely bigger problems in the world, it can certainly feel like a big deal when it happens in the moment. And that's why you should check out Sweatblock and Iperspirant Wipes. Sweatblock is stronger and more effective than most clinical antiperspirants. You can simply apply it at night before you go to bed, and then after you go to bed, the next morning you can wake up, wash, and go about your day without worrying at all about sweat. Guaranteed. Sweatblock is doctor created and doctor recommended. It works for up to seven days per use. There is also, by the way, a dry shirt guarantee. And if Sweatblock doesn't keep you dry, you get your money back. It's manufactured in the USA. Sweatblock has a bestseller on Amazon and other places for the past decade. I know it might sound too good to be true, but it absolutely works. You can wear what you want to wear with confidence, and it really is an absolute must-have. If you or someone you know and love is dealing with this, you have to check out Sweatblock right now. Get it today for 20% off at sweatblock.com with the promo code locked on or check it out at a CVS near you right now. One more time, that is promo code locked on at sweatblock.com for 20% off. Promo code locked on at sweatblock.com. Tell me if this sounds familiar to you. You've got one device that lets you catch the game live, another that lets you stream your favorite TV shows, you're watching sports highlights on your phone, and you've got your neighbor's best friend's login for all of the good stuff. Well, I want to tell you about a simple way to get all the entertainment that you love without the hassle and a great way to finally get your TV together. It's called Direct TV Stream, and it brings your live TV and on-demand favorites together like they've never been before so you can watch your favorite shows, movies, and sports all in one place. That means no more juggling remotes and no need to buy another device ever again. And the best part, there's no annual contract. So you can get rid of the clutter and the confusion and get your TV together with Direct TV Stream. You can learn more at directtv.com. That is directtv.com. Compatible device required. Content varies by package. I am joined now by the purveyor of the Locked On Falcons podcast, Aaron Freeman. Hello, sir. How are you? I'm doing all right, Brad. How's it going with you? We're living the dream. Uh, we're recording this on a Tuesday afternoon. Your season, the season that you, uh, that you cover intently, is kind of already underway. Uh, they've not played in the regular season yet, but it's that sweet spot where you're very busy and I appreciate all the time. I'm going to make you wait to give the Falcons takes for a minute because um, I want to ask you, uh, whenever you have me on your podcast, 
we talk Falcons, but we also talk about the NBA. And usually it's you asking me questions, but I know you're not like an NBA guy who covers the NBA at a big level, but you, you, pay, you pay attention some. So I want to know how you're feeling about the NBA landscape. Uh, I will save my Hawks question for a second, but uh, you know, I guess people tell people what you sort of, how you view the NBA and uh, whether you're like dialed in this time of year or if it's, if it's just football all the time. Yeah, I'm a very casual NBA fan, and so I am completely dialed out of the NBA at this point in time in the year. Uh, usually, you know, around probably the end of the NFL season is when I start really getting back into it in earnest. You know, once the finals are over, I'm just sort of, you know, I pull that ripcord and, and I'm out. <laughs> so, uh, you know, any any news that I see NBA-wise, I'm like, oh, that's interesting. That literally came out of nowhere for me because I had no idea sort of uh, what's going on on the NBA radar at this point in time of the year. No, I, I totally get it. Uh, I'm kind of like that with the NFL. It's not the sport that I cover. I probably follow it as closely as someone could without having to fully dive into it, but I'm, I'm kind of the same way. There's definitely, it ebbs and flows. Uh, are you uh, are you on team Brooklyn Nets over everyone at this point in time? That's kind of the question that I ask everyone that's like, not down on a particular team is like, are you just terrified of the Nets like everybody else is? I mean, it's hard to to go against the Nets at this point in time. I, you know, I, I think the Hawks can uh, do some interesting things. And I'm, I'm very curious to see sort of what the Hawks can do moving forward. This is a seemingly rare opportunity for optimism in terms of <laughs> Atlanta Hawks basketball. It's not like the, the Hawks are nearly as miserable as the Falcons are uh, when it comes to Atlanta sports, but it is one of those things where I, I do feel like this is really the first time in, in a very long time where it does feel like the Hawks are on the verge of, of being a perennial contender in the Eastern conference. Um, but, you know, I, I feel like those nets are, are probably still the, the, the champs uh, in, at least in terms of, who, who's the team to beat uh, so far? Yeah, the on-paper champions, you know, in the NBA, it's almost, it's almost like, I'm trying to make this into a football analogy, but it's like the Nets have three guys who can carry uh, a significant workload. And it's like barring an injury to like two of them, which is what happened last year. And that's what happened. It's like basically like, like losing your quarterback, but twice uh, for what, what happened in the Nets last year um i think they are the favorite for a reason you mentioned some optimism about the hawks and i'm not gonna go down this rabbit hole too far with you but uh you know obviously i think you jumped on a little bit with the with the run last year they made the final four i think people are very excited locally about the hawks to the point where it's like they're not quite on the falcons level in terms of the uh fan base size i've always kind of (laughs) i've always mentioned the falcons have more fans than the hawks it's just kind of an objective fact but it does seem like the, like the gap is kind of narrowing. People are sort of on the Hawks wagon now, which I'm personally enjoying. But I wonder if, uh, number one, are, are you on the bandwagon as well? And number two, do you feel like that gap is maybe closing from like fan? I mean, it's sort of all anecdotal, but I know you know this. Like the Falcons are kind of like number one by a lot around the city usually. And it seems like the Hawks are kind of getting there. Yeah, no, it does seem like, um, you know, when you're measuring – you know, the, the, the Hawks fans are always loyal to the Hawks, right? That's That's been their thing. It's like, that's our team. That's, you know, we, we ride or die with the Hawks. But it, it they don't seem to sort of attract, I guess, the casual fan to the same degree that, you know, yep. Falcons do. And, and I think that's just the nature of football uh, versus basketball. It's just harder to be, a, a you know, maybe it's not harder, but it, it's generally tough to be a casual NBA fan unless your team has a star player or is a consistent contending team. And that hasn't really been the Hawks 
uh, case right now. But I think with Trey Young, you know, that's something where they can start attracting, um, you know, a lot more uh, followers because Trey Young, I think, is a burgeoning star. The only knock I have against Trey Young is just his, you know, hip hop takes where he basically (laughs) – you know, says is is Drake the goat over Jay Z, which you know it's fine. It's a it's a decent conversation, but I think it's a little bit more timely to have that conversation maybe after a a classic Drake album, which I don't believe you know Certified Lover Boy is one of those. So uh, you know, I, I feel like my Trey Young stock just took a a little bit of a dip uh, with with that recent take of his online, but you know, otherwise on on the court, I think Trey Young is killing it out there. Uh, I'm going to have to abstain from all hip hop evaluation takes on this podcast, <laughs> but I did really enjoy uh, just kind of, I think he leaned into it too later on. Uh, people really got mad at Trey and uh, to his credit, uh, I'm not always the biggest Trey on social media fan. I think his, his tweets are kind of bad sometimes, but I really enjoyed the way he kind of owned it. And it was like tweeting out Chappelle gifts and stuff. Like he, uh, he sort of leaned into the fact that people were mad at him, which I always appreciate. Yeah. So yeah. Uh, he handled that. Okay. Once, once the, once the original tweet, which I think most people feel like you do from what I saw, again, I don't really have a huge opinion on this, but uh, people were very mad at him and uh, he kind of owned it. So there you go. And yeah, to your point about Trey being a star, uh, that is obviously, I think the number one reason probably that a lot of more casual Hawks fans are becoming more diehards because uh, you know, it also also helps to make the team good, which he's the biggest reason why they're good as well. So having a star in Atlanta, uh, you would uh, you would know this well. It helps quite a bit. Um, I guess it's time to talk about the team that you cover, uh, and the Falcons are the Falcons. Uh, I've said this before on my podcast. I, I I'm definitely more of a pure fan of the Falcons than I am of the Hawks. I don't cover the Falcons day to day, and uh, I get more emotional, more high and low. I think my brand with the Hawks is like, I, I stay pretty level. I don't really get too mad or too excited. That is not the case with the Falcons. So I will try to bury that on this podcast. Um, I'm going to make you wait for like the overall stuff. We'll start, I want to I start, I want to start defensively because that's where uh, I'm a little worried Aaron. I got to be honest. So the way that I will start here is uh, how bad is it going to be defensively for the Falcons in 2021? Um, I, I think there's reasons to be level-headed. Let's, I won't say optimistic, but I think there's reasons to think that the Falcons can have a decent defense this year. I think on paper, when you look at their defense, you don't see a lot of positives, but I think they have a couple of star players, Grady Jarrett, their defensive tackle. I think cornerback AJ Terrell is on the verge of sort of having a breakout year. I think he was very good as a rookie, had a couple of hiccup games. Uh, late in the season, but I think responded well. And I think he's on the track to be a very good cornerback in this league. I think their linebacker uh, duo of Deion Jones and Foye Olakun are not, you know, Deion Jones has been a household name these last couple of years, but I think Foye Olakun uh, could potentially emerge as the better of the two. And that gives the Falcons, you know, one of the better inside linebacker duos in the league. So I, I think those are sort of the building blocks pieces that you have. And I think that can stabilize your defense going up against a relatively soft schedule. The Falcons aren't facing sort of the elite who's who of, of quarterbacks this upcoming season and, and high powered offenses is basically Tom Brady and Tampa Bay Bucks, Josh Allen, and Buffalo bills, maybe Dak Prescott in Dallas. And outside of that, it's a whole bunch of young green guys week one, they have Jalen hurts, you know, they have Daniel Jones of uh, the New York giants. They have a bunch of rookies on their schedule, uh, potentially, you know, pretty much every first round rookie other than Justin Fields on the schedule because they're playing San Francisco, Jacksonville and the Jets this upcoming season. And I think Dean Pease, the Falcons new defensive coordinator is going to be very aggressive with trying to dial up the blitz to supplement their pass rush. 
given that they don't have necessarily outside of Grady Jarrett, uh, guys that you can really rely on. Dante Fowler is coming off a rough season, but he's expected to re- rebound with uh, a healthier year. But outside of those two, you're not really looking at great pass rush. So I, I understand some of the concerns for the defense, but I, I think Raheem Morris last year with the Falcons defensive coordinator and interim head coach was able to get that defense to respectability uh, going up against kind of a murderer's row of, of high-powered offenses. And I think with the lower quality of competition, I, I think they probably will wind up being similar sort of an average, maybe slightly below average defense, which if their offense can, um, you know, put up points pretty consistently, uh, you know, I think that's going to be good enough to win some games and maybe not have sort of the fourth quarter choke jobs that the Falcons <laughs> have been known for over these last what, decade, really, if we're, if we're really being honest. Yeah, that's, uh, that's well said. I, I was actually going to bring it up too, but you sort of nodded to it, but I was not terribly surprised, but I had kind of forgotten that the Falcons ended up finishing. I think it was 14th in DVOA defensively last year. Like they were kind of okay. And yeah. uh, it felt worse in the moment to me. I have to be honest. But uh, I think it was two years in a row now they've finished higher defensively than offensively, which is I think people would be stumped by that if they were not paying close attention. I'm a little worried from what you look at the depth chart. There's just there's some obvious like questions. You mentioned the pass rush. That's one for me. And that seems like a perennial problem. Um, They just can't get to the passer, which is difficult. And the secondary outside of outside of Terrell is, uh, you know, not my favorite either. But you seem to be higher on him than I thought maybe you would be, which is good. Uh, is there any area to be terrified of? Like, is it, is it pass rush? Is that, is that, is that your biggest concern? Um, or I, and I guess you sort of mentioned the linebackers as a point of strength. Yeah. I mean, for me, the part of the reason why I'm not as down on the defense, I, I think, you know, the, they're not going to be good, but I, I think they can be decent just because a lot of the issues that they have going into this season were issues that they had last year and they were able to survive it, as you mentioned, with their sort of 14th ranked DVOA um, ranking, according to football outsiders they didn't really have a pass rush in large part due to injuries to Dante Fowler and and Tack McKinley last year and Marlon Davidson Um, and hopefully with Fowler and Davidson being healthier this year they'll get a little bit more contributions from those guys but you know it's probably a slight improvement in that regard in terms of their ability to get pressure with four guys that's not going to be necessarily something they're known as but last year they were they were pretty effective blitzing team and I think they're only going to dial up the blitz even more so I, I feel reasonably confident confident that you're kind of making a lateral move in terms of the pass rush. The hope is the secondary is going to be much better with an improved AJ Terrell. I think beyond him, I think it's fair to have questions. You, you wonder what the safety duo is going to be uh, with Deron Harmon and Eric Harris as their starters. Are those guys going to be upgrades over what Ricardo Allen and Keanu Neal and, and DeMonte Casey were a year ago. They drafted Richie Grant, their second round pick uh, out of, um, you know, central Florida, Right. Yes. Uh, <laughs> sorry. I, I'm just like, wait, all those Florida schools. I, I understand. Confused. Yeah. For sure. um, and, uh, you know, the expectations for me when they drafted Richie Grant was he was going to immediately come in and, and be sort of a, a playmaker for them. And he, he's gotten off to a little bit of a slow start this summer. So that gives me a little bit of pause of, of being overly enthusiastic about uh, their safety group in the, in the corner room. You know, you're just kind of hoping Fabian Moreau and, and Isaiah Oliver are just basically as good as that group was a year ago when when Darquez Denard, you know, when he was healthy for half the season, was pretty productive as a number two corner. 
opposite AJ Terrell and Isaiah Oliver was decent uh, in the second half of the season once he made the permanent move to the nickel cornerback. So in a lot of ways, you're just kind of hoping for a lateral move and, and again, getting back to the point I made earlier with a softer schedule where you're facing a lot less Aaron Rodgers and Russell Wilson and Patrick Mahomes types of quarterbacks this year uh, and, and going up against, you know, the Jameis Winstons of the world that are prone to, you know, gift wrap you a couple of interceptions every single week and, and Daniel Jones and Trevor Lawrence and Zach Wilson, you know, you'll be able to look better than probably what you are on paper uh, or at least in, in theory uh, in terms of that defense. So I'm not too down on the defense. You know, I'm not too high on the defense. I just kind of think, Hey, you know, just don't be terrible. And, and the Falcons should be okay. <laughs> yeah. I think I would take that uh, in terms of just not being terrible just being middle of the road. That sounds about right to me. Um, all right, before I ask you about the offense and some uh, overall stuff at the end of the podcast, a word from our sponsors on today's show. With Built Bar, there are so many delicious flavors that there's always something for everyone. And honestly, it's difficult to pick just one. If you talk to a Built Bar fan, they're always passionate about their favorites. But for me, I have more than one, quite frankly. If you don't know all the Built Bar flavors at this point in time, you're absolutely missing out. They have coconut, they have cherry barcia, raspberry, mint brownie, double chocolate, salted caramel, strawberry, orange, German chocolate, and my personal favorite has to be cookies and cream. It's been that way for a long time, but even with my affection for cookies and cream, there are other options that are honestly just about as good, and really they're fantastic for everyone that enjoys Built Bar. In addition to being extremely tasty, and Built Bar is extremely tasty, they're also very, very healthy. They have 17 to 18 grams of protein. The calorie range is 130 to 180. They only have four or five grams of sugar, and they only have four or five grams of net carbs. Amazing flavors all the way across the board. They're all tasty, and they're all healthy. If you order today, they get the grasshopper cookie or the raspberry or whatever you like. And if you go to built.com and use the promo code locked on, 15% off your order with Built Bar. Use the promo code locked on, 15% off at built.com. The offseason is here for the Atlanta Hawks in full force, but Bet Online is still the fastest and the easiest way to bet on all of your sports action. Baseball season is still in full swing at this point in time. You can track all the action, though, at Bet Online and beyond baseball. There is all kinds of interest from sport to sport, entertainment, and much more. Get all the latest news, the odds, and the information for all of your sporting needs, including MLB, NBA, NHL, UFC, MMA, golf, tennis, auto racing, F1. All that fun stuff, you can find it all at Bet Online. And on top of that, you have odds boosters, entertainment bets, the works. You can find it all in one place. Before the next pitch, dribble, or pass, head over to the Bet Online on your laptop or mobile device and check out all the great sporting news, sign up bonuses, and contest information. Don't sit on the sidelines anymore, as this is your chance to get into the game as teams prepare for their run to their respective playoffs. Head to the website right now or use your mobile device to sign up today and receive a 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit if you use the promo code LOCKED ON. 50% extra cash if you use the promo code locked on when you sign up at betonline.ag. Check it all out in one place, your best place to find all the sports action, the fastest, easiest, and best. Bet Online, your online sportsbook experts. All right, Aaron, let's dive into the offense where uh, the bigger names are, of course. Uh, let's start with Kyle Pitts, who basically just didn't play in the preseason, which is okay. I wasn't terribly worried about this. Uh, I know you chronicled this uh, throughout. Uh, <laughs> yeah. There was a Kyle, lots of Kyle Pitts watch going on in the preseason. Um, this is not a fantasy question, but it kind of might be viewed as one. Um, there's this notion that like in that world of fantasy, like people are having to draft Kyle Pitts as if he's going to be the best tight end in the history of the league, basically, um, because of where he's going in some of these spots as a rookie. And let's just say expectations are very, very high. Uh, it's unfair to you to ask what he's going to look like as a rookie, but I have to ask you that question anyway. So what's he going to look like? Yeah, it's, it's going to be interesting because I, I think with Kyle Pitts, there's reasons 
for people to be very excited about what he has the potential to be. Um, you know, I think going in, you know, immediately coming out of the draft and going into the summer, you know, my expectations were, you know, high, but not like super, super high uh, for what Pitts would be uh, in large part due to the fact of the Falcons having the presence of Julio Jones and Calvin Ridley. But obviously with Julio Jones being traded now, Kyle Pitts is kind of forced into a situation where he's going to have to be pretty productive from the start. We know the tight end position historically is not a position in which guys typically hit the ground running coming into the NFL. We haven't had a thousand yard tight end, I think in like 50, 60 years since Mike Dicka did it uh, way back in the day. The, the closest has been Jeremy Shockey, which was almost 20 years ago when he had nearly 900 yards. And so you're kind of expecting Kyle Pitts, you know, fair or unfair to have sort of historic rookie year production. Um, but I think it's not crazy to think that just because I think because of the trade of Julio Jones and that massive void in the Falcons offense, someone's going to have to to fill that role. And because I don't think the Falcons are going to be able to rely on their running game to a super high degree, they're, they're going to still be a team that's going to throw the ball 600, you know, possibly even 700 times this year. And Calvin Ridley can't get all of those targets. And so someone's going to get that production. I, I feel like Kyle Pitts is in a prime position to get a lot of that production. We saw on, you know, basically one or two snaps this preseason, the Falcons featured him on that play just to sort of build some buzz. And I, I kind of feel like Arthur Smith will sort of, focus a lot of the offense on Kyle Pitts this upcoming season. So I feel reasonably confident Kyle Pitts will put up production this year, you know, in terms of the hype, you know, you all, I, um, my natural inclination is always to sort of pump the brakes on hype, but I think, you know, this is one instance where it is warranted, you know, in addition to sort of getting a bunch more targets now with Julio Jones out of lineup, you know, I always was very optimistic about Kyle Pitts's impact in the red zone uh, in this Arthur Smith offense, where you go back to his time in Tennessee, these last two years where like 40% of the tight ends target or the red zone targets were directed at tight ends. Um, and so I thought Kyle Pitts, even when I thought he was going to be third fiddle to Julio Jones and Calvin Ridley was still probably a guy that you could, potentially project to, to get double digit tight in, uh, tight touchdowns this upcoming season. Um, and so I feel like that's only going to continue to be the case because, you know, the Falcons probably aren't going to be throwing that much to the wide receivers just because they don't really have great options there outside of Calvin Ridley. And they're probably not going to be running the ball a ton, uh, you know, with Mike Davis, I think maybe an upgrade over what the Falcons had a year ago, but you know, I, I feel like Kyle Pitts is, is going to be productive. So long story short, I, I feel like, the hype is probably high, maybe too high, but I feel like, you know, he, he can get like 90% there uh, at, at kind of, and that's kind of his floor. So I think he could wind up living up to it and exceeding the hype. So I think it's fair to, to be very excited about Kyle Pitts' potential this upcoming season. Yeah, you're kind of like me. Uh, I, I know and our, our natural disposition is to just like, all right, let's hold on a little bit on, on almost anything. If somebody, somebody's getting out of control, yeah. uh, I'm kind of the same way, but uh, I'm with you. That's, that sounds like uh, you made a reasonable case there. Um, I, I'm not, I'm prefacing, I'm prefacing now. I'm not picking on, uh, on Russell Gage, but I swear to God, I got a text a couple of days ago from a friend who is a Falcons fan, but not a diehard by any means. And the text, and I quote said, wait, Russell Gage is the number two receiver question mark text. That was it. So that is uh, where we are on the, at, at the receiving <laughs> at the receiving position and I actually kind of like Russell Gage he's okay but uh that is uh it does open up some opportunities to your point to uh use 
Kyle Pitts in a way that tight ends are not always used. He might be the number two receiving option overall this year, which would make a lot of sense. Um, you mentioned the running game. I want to end with Matt Ryan, but uh, Mike Davis is a guy that um, was pretty good at times last year. He's older than I thought. I think he's like 28 or 29. He's not young. Um, and then you, they, brought, they brought in Wayne Gallman the other day, who is same kind of thing, like just kind of a plug and play guy. Uh, you know, Arthur Smith, I think being the new head coach, uh, had Derrick Henry to work with, of course, which is a huge caveat, but uh, got a lot of the running game in Tennessee. Can they get anything from the running game? You sort of talked about it a second ago, but it was uh, it's been a non-factor at times recently for the Falcons. Yeah, I mean, it's hard for me to to put a, a whole lot of stock in the running game. Um, I think Davis and Goldman are, are two solid pieces for you. I think they have made strides as far as you know having a, a decent one-two punch. You always also throw a player like Cordero Patterson, who's, who's not really a, a workhorse running back, but can sort of mix things up in the passing game. And you have, I, I think, really the value of guys like Davis and Goldman and and, and uh, Patterson is really more in the passing game than it is strictly on the ground. Um, but I think, I feel like the Falcons can have an okay running attack. And, you know, the, my hope is that they can at least approach the top 20 this upcoming season, maybe not quite get there, maybe finish like 22nd in rushing. And if that's the case, that's a big improvement over what they've had, uh, you know, some of these last couple of seasons uh, where they've been like a bottom three, bottom five type of running team. You know, that's not great. To work off the, the reason why I can't be too much more optimistic than that about the Falcons rushing attack, even though Arthur Smith employs a outside zone scheme, which the Falcons have had uh, pretty much off and on, uh, let's say mostly on these last uh, five, six years uh, in the Dan Quinn era. And early on under play caller Kyle Shanahan, it was very successful, not so much as time progressed with guys like <laughs> Steve Sarkeesian and, and Dirk Cutter. And so I think there's that's sort of the reason behind a lot of the optimism in terms of people thinking the, all, the running game could take a, a big step this year. But, you know, the, the real problem for the Falcons these last couple of years, in, in my eyes, in terms of their running game not being quite efficient, has not really been the lack of quality in terms of their running backs, although De- Devontae Freeman and, and Todd Gurley weren't great uh, these last two years as their lead tailbacks. But I think, you know, they would have been okay had the Falcons gotten better blocking up front. And that to me is the main concern, you know, whether we're talking about the passing game and the running game, it's really the offensive line. The offensive line potentially has the big factor in terms of holding back this Falcons offense and their interior offensive line could be a problem. Um, I think as far as the running game is concerned, they have the talent, they have the the type of pieces that you want, but they're, they're pretty green. You know, they have uh, two former first round picks from 2019 draft class on the right side of their offensive line with Chris Lindstrom and Kayla McGarry. And Lindstrom has sort of emerged as uh, one of the better emerging young guards in the NFL. Kayla McGarry has been okay these last couple of years, but you know, when he's been on, he's been pretty good. And the hope is that he'll be on a little bit more, you know, in terms of the ups and downs, having a few more ups and downs uh, like he's had these last couple of years, but the center and left guard position are are major question marks to the Falcons. You know, you go from Alex Mack, a a steady veteran presence at that center position for the last five years to an untested green player in Matt Hennessy, um, you have left guard where the play has not been great with James Carpenter and you're going to a untested rookie in Jalen Mayfield, who may not be a great scheme fit. And based off of what he did so far this summer, didn't inspire a ton of confidence. 
anybody who's listened to Lockdown Falcons over the last couple of months knows I was not a big fan of the Jalen Mayfield pick. That was my least favorite pick. Uh, <laughs> frankly, I you know. It hurt me. Frank, I, I got to be honest. I, it hurt me a little bit. I, you know, I'm, I'm, I, I, number one, I agree with you. I'm, as a Michigan guy, it hurt me. I'm just saying. Yeah, you know, I I, I'll be honest. You know, I hated the pick, if, I, if I'm being completely honest. But, you know, <laughs> I felt I, that. I, <laughs> but, you know, I have to try to mitigate my, you know, the be sort of that fair and balanced person that you, you talked about uh, when it comes to, you know, this analysis on this daily basis. Otherwise, I'll pull my hair out uh, trying to, you know, figure out what the Falcons are doing. And so, like, I have major concerns about sort of the youth on that interior with the left guard and center position. If those guys, at least in theory, I think, you know, where they could be three to five years from now, I I think they could be a really solid interior uh, in addition to some of the other pieces the Falcons have on their offensive line. But as far as 2021 is concerned, I think that's a major question mark. So, you know, long story short with the the Falcons running game, I I feel like the running backs are okay. They're not great. They're not incredible, but they're, good enough to, to give you a decent running game. But I think the offensive line is, is a major concern at this point. Yeah. I was going to ask about the, about the line. So I'm glad you talked about that too, because that's a, uh, you know, it's a big uh, flashing question mark uh, and that, Im- that impacts everything. I mean, that's, it's always underplay, particularly in this like, you know, fantasy driven uh, world that we live in because uh, those guys are not being deployed in that way, but you have to be good up front to have the offense that you want. And they have not always been that way the last couple of years. Um, We'll end offensively with uh, with Matt Ryan because that's where we have to start and end. Uh, I, I will say I've always been higher on Matt Ryan than most people. Uh, I think Matt Ryan is still pretty good. Uh, however, Matt Ryan is older than I am, which means uh, he's not a young man, uh, let's just say. Uh, I guess two, two-pronged question. Uh, how good is Matt Ryan in 2021? And uh, how does that impact the rest of this uh, this team? Because you know, outside of Calvin Ridley, there isn't a whole lot of like full-on stability outside of Matt Ryan. Yeah, I mean, for me, you know, I've always been of the mindset that Matt Ryan has been in that top eight to 10 range as a quarterback for pretty much the bulk of, you know, the last 13 years. I feel like the last two years in particular, it's been closer to maybe 12 to 15 in terms of his performance. Um, And, you know, I think a lot of that and one of the things that has been talked about ad nauseum locked on Falcons over that period of time was how much of that is Matt Ryan? How much of that is the play calling and dirt cutter? And I think my stance has always been, it's been a lot more dirt cutter than Matt Ryan, but I do think there are cons- some concerns when you sort of, you know, isolate the play calling and just strictly look at Matt Ryan. However, I don't think those concerns are so much that we need to be super concerned about Matt Ryan, particularly this year, you know, maybe Matt Ryan three years from now, I think maybe that could be an issue. And I think one of those issues is how he handles pressure and and putting him behind a questionable offensive line is not going to help mitigate some of those concerns, I think in the, in the short term, as well as the long term. So I, I do think there is reasons to be concerned, but I think for the most part, if you're asking me, do I think Matt Ryan has the capability of still performing at a high level yes I think with Arthur Smith coming to town and essentially if he does nothing else but dial up the the usage of play action passing and and basically calls basically the same type of offense that the Falcons saw you know under Dirk Cutter you will see significant improvement from Matt Ryan so if you assume Arthur Smith is going to enhance the other avenues of the offensive play calling and, and execution and whatnot, uh, in addition to just dialing up more play action, you know, I, I think there's reasons to be optimistic that Matt Ryan is going to, you know, 
continue to perform like that top eight-ish quarterback that I think he has been uh, these last 13 years by and large. And so I think Matt Ryan still has plenty left in the tank to be that type of quarterback. Yeah, we'll see in terms of uh, what he can actually be this year. It's going to be quite interesting to me overall uh, because, you know, we, we could do it a two-hour podcast about uh, – whose fault it is always, you know, quarterback is always the guy, everyone uh, I've long thought, I know you uh, generally agree with this. Like the notion that, that Matt Ryan's been the problem in Atlanta has always been pretty funny to me. Uh, and I think you agree with that, uh, but it's always there. Uh, the first time he throws an interception, it might even be week one. We will have the same conversation again for the 55, 50, 50, 55th time uh, in his tenure. Uh, you mentioned the schedule, uh, that is a factor for sure. I noticed particularly as we get into uh, sort of sign off here, um, the first five weeks of the season, uh, outside of a trip to Tampa Bay, which is uh, no one wants to go to Tampa Bay this year, but Philly, Philly, the Giants, Washington at home, and then the Jets in London, it's kind of friendly before the bye in week six. Um, I know our friends about online have uh, the over-under at seven and a half wins this year on a 17-game schedule. Uh, I'm not sure. I can't remember if you've actually picked this on the record yet, but uh, any thoughts on a uh, on a season-long projection for this team right now, knowing that it's really hard to do that with all the uncertainty in a lot of ways? Yeah, you know, I was pumping that over pretty early on in the process when, the, when those wind totals first came out in the spring. Um then they traded Julio Jones and I was like, oh, okay. Maybe, <laughs> yeah, that hurts maybe, a little bit. Yeah. yeah. You know, I, 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 you know, I think prior to that Julio Jones trade, the Falcons were like the safest bet in terms of their over based off of one website I visited back in April or May or whatever the case was back then. Um, I, I still feel like they're going to hit the over, but I, I don't feel as confident as I was maybe three, four months ago uh, in, in terms of that. I'm, I'm sort of dancing around eight, in nine or nine and eight record. And depending on the mood I wake up in, you know, if I got a good night's <laughs> sleep, I feel a little bit favoring more that nine and eight record. Uh, and then if I didn't have, have a great sleep, it's eight, nine, but sort of these last couple of days in terms of when I've been asked to go on the record, I've, I've been going eight, nine, and I don't feel any reason to change that at this point in time. So I, I feel like the Falcons will be fine. Um, I think there will be certainly games this upcoming season where they will look like a team much better than their record would indicate. And I think there's going to be games where they're going to look pretty rough. So it's just sort of the classic case of the Falcons of, you know, you, you kind of throw out their two or three worst games or two or three best games. And then you kind of assess those middle games to tr- sort of really get a, a real temperature of what this team uh, winds up being because there, there's always seems particularly these last couple of years there always seems to be a couple of games where you're just like what what is this team doing this is <laughs> the worst team in, in football and then there's a couple of games where you're like wow this is an incredible football team and I think that sort of dichotomy has sort of you you can certainly make the case has led the team astray in, in certain ways with maybe the retention of the former coaching staff a year longer because they were focusing more on those high-end games uh, than necessary the low-end games uh, so I, I'll be curious to sort of see if we get maybe a little bit more stability under Arthur Smith or we still get sort of that same level of inconsistency. Yeah I am not the expert that you are but someone asked me the other day what I thought and I, I kind of said eight wins so it's, it's always gonna be weird until it's not that they're playing 17 games uh, that's obviously that's just very very strange but because eight, eight, eight wins, it's like, oh, you're 500. But this time, they're actually under 508 wins. So it sounds worse than it is, I suppose. Uh, well, thank you, sir, for all the time. I appreciate it. I think people can take what they want from this conversation, where they want to find positives. 
they could do that. If they want to be terrified, they could probably do that too. And uh, I, I said this before I brought you in as well, but I would encourage everyone that's a Falcons fan. I know there are a lot of you to listen to this podcast because there's a lot of crossover between Hawks, Hawks fans and Falcons fans to listen to Aaron if you're not already doing that. Uh, anything else you want to plug, my friend, before we get out of here? No, um, just locked on Falcons five days a week. Um, hopefully the Falcons will be competitive so I don't get burned out by the time we get to November, like uh, some of these last couple of seasons. So, uh, yeah, <laughs> we'll be, you know, if you're checking out Locked on Falcons this week, we've been doing a lot of sort of season previews and, and getting a lot of outside opinions on expectations going into the season because people have heard my expectations on the team for the last six months. And so we'll just finally figure out, you know, can't wait for Sunday to get here in terms of what this team is actually going to be in, in terms of living up to those expectations or failing to live up to those expectations. And, uh, you know, with the Falcons, anybody's guess is as good as mine. No, that's, that's not true. I don't think that's true. Aaron. You're being modest and I appreciate that, but uh, I think you'd cover the team in a fantastic way. And uh, again, I cannot recommend enough listening to Locked on Falcons. Uh, I am a, a self-proclaimed diehard. So it's an auto, an auto subscription for me, but I appreciate you coming on, man. We'll do this again soon, I'm sure. Absolutely. As for everybody else, please subscribe to this show as well, and we'll see you next time.